Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. In 1997, a 33-year-old musician bought an electronic keyboard and began jamming in her small studio in Toronto. Meryl Niska, aka Peaches, wrote Love It It's, one of 11 boundary-blurring tracks from her debut album. I fell into music, actually. I had no idea... I would become a musician. I grew up thinking that I that you couldn't be a musician really if it wasn't in your family or you didn't study music because I, I just didn't get it. I uh, did a lot of singing just on my own and enjoying music, but I didn't realize that I could become a musician or, or write songs or anything. That was very foreign to me. And, and um, I tell this story a lot, but it's, you know, one of those... Aha moments. I had a band called uh, Fancy Pants with them, which was quite expressive. In the way that I performed, and I had good musicians with me, and I was learning to play electric guitar, you know, and and enjoying myself to none other than basically me. (laughs) But, um,. I didn't really feel a community of other people that I related to musically. There was one band called Spin the Susan. They were more like a a kind of... They reminded me of the band in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. There was two female singers in the band, and... We met at a gig, and I felt a sort of kinship just as as friends. One of the girls in the band, I wanted to start a band with her. And she told me that she had a next-door neighbor who had a basement jam room, and it would probably be good if we went over there with him. And then she said there was another guy that she had a crush on who was had a band, and maybe the four of us could uh, work together. And I immediately was like, I want an all-girl band. I, I, I don't want to have this. This is not what I'm looking for. But I did go over there. I'd never met these guys, and I had the biggest attitude. I just, like, stared at them. I don't even think I said hi. They were super nice, and we just started to jam. There was um, keyboards, drums, electric guitar, and mics for everyone. I had never used keyboards, and <laughs> in my in my purest rock sensibility, I, I was like, keyboards? Why are there keyboards? I pulled out my electric guitar, and we all just started playing. And 
I mean, maybe it was because we got super high. We, we um, smoked a huge joint. We just started screaming stuff and jamming, and it was like an insane revelation for all of us. It was like we were all in this frustrated, creative <laughs> position, and all of a sudden, we just started to write songs, and, and then... Uh, we we switched instruments and I played the keyboard and I was like, keyboard is cool, wow, all these weird sounds you can make. And then I got on the drums, which I'd never done before, and and nobody was telling me I was bad at it or anything. And that one jam was just a super insane revelation and I'd never even met these people. We also screamed, you know, whatever we were frustrated with and a lot of, like, sexual frustration or, you know, like, flirting with each other in, in some sort of manner. And then after we all went, I think it was to, like, McDonald's for a coffee. And we said, we all four of us had this aha, wow moment and said, I guess we should be a band. We said we need a name. And then we just came up with the shit we are the shit so that when we're playing we can say we are the shit and we really felt like it we wanted to commemorate the moment <laughs> by renaming ourselves like it's all from this one gem and that started me on the path to peaches <laughs> That worked for around a year, and then everybody sort of went their ways. So I was sort of left alone, still wanting to make music. And and I think out of, of all four of us, I embodied that sort of energy from the shit. I mean, for them, it was all fun. For me, it was and a revelation in terms of, like, moving on with whatever they're moving on with. But for me, it was like, this is my path. <laughs> and so I went into just one of those music shops and I was just looking around and I saw this uh, rolling keyboard and it was on display and I just kind of put headphones on and started playing and realized that with this machine which I'd never done any sort of machine work I could be every instrument I wanted to be so I bought it I started writing the album Teaches of Peaches when I was 33, actually. I had a very small studio that I would write and record, and that's where I developed lover tits. At first I was just singing out, I'm your lover tits, and then it grew from there. I put on a beat and actually started to play guitar with it. And I wouldn't play like full chords, I would just sort of play like one note, very kind of chunky, distorted guitar notes and sing along. And I had a, an ADAT machine, which is videotape. And I would record everything I was doing. There was no home computer, there was no, you know, Ableton, nothing like that. So. I would just listen back and, and just, in a raw sense, just, just sing my guts out. You know, whatever stuck I would keep. And I decided to 
transfer it, the guitar sounds to a sort of synth sound and then play around with the um, filters, which was amazing because it was just, I, I really, in a very rudimentary way, used the filter to like change the parts and make the sort of dynamics around it. I learned a lot about dynamics and how minimal you can be and still create such a, you know, energy. So the song Lover Tits is actually just a really bad breakup song, hoping somehow there will be a reconciliation. And I think I was very aware also with writing the songs in Teachers of Peaches. And Teachers of Peaches is a really heavy breakup album, to be honest. Um, I know it sounds like fun when you say fuck the pain away, but it also has that obvious pain in it. But I wanted to make sure I wasn't writing from a sort of victim point of view, like, oh, what was me when you break up? You know, I wanted to get out of it in sort of an empowerment way. So instead of me saying I'm wrong, uh, which, you know, I was wrong, you know, I, I was also saying like, you know, there's things about you you're going to have to realize about yourself. You're going to have to um, understand, you know. But I, I would use cheeky words like, get it up, get it up, you know. And I was just playing around with these. Uh, one day you're going to have to lay off with it, lay into it. Just, you're going to have to give it all, whether it's give it all passion or give it all anger. You're just going to have to go for it. And I'm sure I was talking to myself, but I was also talking to the breakup and the person that I was with. So that's what it's about. Um, the term lover tits was me trying to create a new sort of cliche of... Um, name that you have with your lover, you know, that like, I'm your Google baby, you know, or whatever it is. I thought it was a fun phrase and in the same way that I used that on the album many times trying to create new cliches that were less focused on a sort of a women objectification point of view, as in diddle my skittle, you know, because there's so many words for what you can do to a guy's genitalia in that way. But yeah, at that time, I felt like I was creating new cliches. I think that in a wake of a breakup, everybody is sort of angry that it doesn't work out or that, you, you know, your point of view doesn't happen or they don't understand you or you don't understand them. There's always anger and sadness and every emotion when you have a, a huge breakup that's a, a very strong part of your world. How I was feeling at the time was pretty low, but also not in a sort of catatonic state. I would use the machine to make myself feel better, but I felt like I had a big hole in my heart and a big emptiness, and uh, every day I had to deal with it. 
And it was even more than that. So a few years before that, I had a cancer scare. I had thyroid cancer. I had a big lump in my throat. And you could see it, and I didn't do anything about it. I was just like, well, I don't know. It's just a lump in my throat. And I went to the doctor, and they said it could be cancerous. And lucky for me, I, I didn't have to have any chemotherapy. It's it's a quite, if you can, uh, a mild cancer, a quite contained cancer, thyroid cancer. It made me think a, a lot about what I wanted out of life. And at the time, I was in a very long relationship, a very intense relationship. And I realized I really need to make music. I really need to take music seriously and you know, this was the the whole thyroid cancer came after I had already jammed and worked with the shit, but um, I hadn't bought the Roland or anything like that. I just realized I, I really have to make music. I didn't think about, you know, I had to break up with this person. That was my drive, and that started to pull us apart. So then after, that's when I bought the equipment and started to write the album. Very important to me was when I was writing Teachers of Peaches that I didn't mention that I was having a bad breakup or that I had had cancer. Because again, I didn't want this album to be seen. Because those are really easy triggers for She's this uh, survivor of this and, um, you know, broke away from a heteronormative relationship. You know, it's just I didn't want any of that to preface the actual power of the music. I wanted it to stand on its own. What I learned by implementing this kind of method, it sounds so technical, but it wasn't, was just actually a great way for me to get out all my anger and and get out all my sadness, but not feel sort of sorry for myself. It was a way that I could also feel like I was moving on, but in a really tangible way. Because these feelings were so real, I think it really came through in the music, even though I was using very cold machine and computer uh I brought a warmth to it, and I brought a sort of relatability. When I performed live on stage, sure, I I was sexual. I would put the microphone in between my legs, but I would also just throw it around and whip it around. Not unlike any rock performers I'd seen, you know, I would swallow the microphone. And I was giving 500% of energy, and somehow it all was like, Peach is so sexual on stage. But, you know, of course I was saying sexual things, but it surprised me because um, I had seen my rock and roll, which was my sort of attitude, predecessors who were male, and it was always like, they're so rock and roll, not they're so sexual. So it was interesting to me that it was just sex they couldn't see that it was also 500% energy that it was all encompassing I picked Lovertits because I think it really embodies sort of the feeling that I was going through and the, the 
struggle through through the pain and one of the first songs that I wrote for the album that I felt like wow I, I, I like this music that I'm making and you know it was the first time I transferred uh, guitar music over to the machine and felt that it was going to really work and I think it's a super strong song. I've probably achieved things that I didn't even know I wanted to achieve because it's got this kind of soul punk singing to me with these like very cold electronic beats, but in a way it, it, it brings the warmth in, the emotion comes out. I love the dynamics of it and I'm super proud of it. from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.